0: living a whole Christian life. This is Dr. Jim Schrader. Hope you're all having a great week as I sit here and listen to the rain patter outside the window. It's spring and Holy Week is upon us and I hope that all of you are finding yourself in a good place as we come into the beautiful season where the colors and everything else around us start to sprout anew. So I want to continue the story of last week. I told the story of Isle Royale National Park, one of the first great adventures that my brother and I have ever had in the world of backpacking, and really the world of outdoors. But like all stories, the full story is the best story. And last week, I talked about the beautiful surroundings and and the just amazing anticipation that we had. But there's really two other pieces of the story that you have to know, that you have to recognize what was really going on in my mind as we talk more about the idea of inlets, those areas of our life that allow for rejuvenation and restoration. The first part of the story that you have to know is that I was actually coming into Isle Royale at a point of very intense training. For the past number of months, and actually for well over even a half a year, I'd been gradually working up to the training for the Ironman in Louisville, which would happen about a month later after we went to Isle Royale. And the training had been really intense, as it often would be for this distance. But I had come into Isle Royale not necessarily feeling my best. In fact, I actually came in quite nervous. For the last couple of weeks, I had had some real issues that had sprung up in one of my feet. And I had real questions, one, if I actually had stress fractures and whether there was something going on that would derail my race altogether um, eventually at the end of August in Louisville. But in more of the immediate future, as we were literally on the ferry headed towards this beautiful island, there was a mixture of both anticipation and fear. Because as I told my brother on the way there, I really wasn't sure how my foot would hold out over the course of the many miles that we would traverse over the next number of days. So in the midst of all this excitement, there was this uncertainty that loomed over me. And even as I got off on the island and we unpacked and everything began as we started backpack, you know, I was just not sure what happened with that foot. But as day one went on and I continued on without too much pain, I started to feel a little bit better about the possibilities in store. But at the end of day one, our night on Chicken Bone Lake at that little cove, as we looked across this beautiful surroundings, already something else was occurring that would really cause a significant amount of other type of pain and definitely unexpected pain. By the end of day two, I had sustained some serious blisters on my feet. And really part of it was my own doing what I had not done. And I, I guess you could call a juvenile mistake was I hadn't packed a number of socks to be able to make sure to change every single day in this really wet environment. So by the end of day two, as we're sitting in camp, I had already sustained some serious blisters on both feet. And (laughs) as mistakes are often compounded, I sat around the fire that night, and and sorry for the uh, uh, vivid scene here you may not want, but as I was popping my blisters there and trying to figure out what to do, I began to take some of the skin off altogether. And if you've ever been out anywhere, you recognize that right away, that's not a good decision because as I woke on day three and I stood up and I started to walk around, I realized that there was a new kind of pain and an altogether very intense kind of pain that was taking over. No longer was I worried about possible stress fractures for the moment. What all of a sudden I had ahead of me was a recognition that we had 14 miles to go And uh, to the next camp that night, and my feet, every step, were on fire. So at that point, I knew there really wasn't much of a choice. You know, all of us in life have episodes and situations of pain where we really have to just bear our pain. And I started to kind of wonder, you know, maybe this was a whole different type of training that I was undergoing. Um, Years later, I would think about it even in a different way. But at the time, my sense was, well, I knew that what a lie ahead, if I was lucky enough to get to that Ironman day, was its own difficulties and challenges. And here, now I was faced um, with a new challenge. And so that became the next day, is how do I not only just take on this new challenge, but as I thought more about it, how do I also dedicate and give this pain to others who were much worse of a situation than I was? So I tell the story, you know, about my anxiousness going in and uncertainty about how I would even hold out on one foot. And by the end of it, I was worried not about what was on top of my feet or, or even within my feet, but more on the bottom of my feet. And the pain really sustained itself for the rest of the trip. Fortunately, the latter part of the trip, as I mentioned before, involved canoeing around the island and into the inlets there. So I was able to get off my feet. But it was nonetheless a pain that would sustain itself well after the trip was over. And so I talk about this because I think that one of the things, as I mentioned in the first part of the series on inlets, is there are often lots of deterrents that we have in dedicating ourselves to activities or habits that we know in some ways are probably good for us, that are probably renewing and rejuvenating for us, but aren't easy necessarily to cultivate and really come with deterrence towards sustaining these inlets that we so much need in our lives to be healthy and holy and happy and harmonious people. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what I think are some of the key deterrence that You know, if we're really going to persist through challenges to develop the inlets in our life, you know, those inlets of our soul, we have to be real about these deterrents. If we're not, I think that we go out again with great intention, but it's just too easy to get derailed by some things that go on and actually some things that we may not even think about. So my basic, let's start, we're going to start with what I consider kind of the basic deterrents are two that are very cyclical. The first is that all inlets do require some energy, just like outlets do. You have to have some energy to put into the activities so that over time, they really become the source of renewal. And I think like many things, we often feel like energy is required for lots of other aspects of our life. And so we're unlikely many times or just have a difficult time finding the energy to sustain or even begin the inlets that could be so positive for us. The second piece, and it certainly relates to the energy, is that our fitness overall is really You know we struggle, right? And I mean, I think any inlet, even the most you could argue sedentary of inlets, whatever it is, requires some level of fitness. And in you know, in the world of health, and we'll talk much more about this as we go further. You know, we're really first referring to the idea of sleep, our diet, and our activity level. And you know, there's so much more we're going to dive into. But the question is, like, for example, if you want to run and you really desire to kind of have running as an inlet in your life, consider that your sleep and what you eat. Might be the biggest reasons you either sustain it or might be the biggest reasons you abandon it. And so often in this whole life, as we pursue this whole Christian life, it's not what is in front of us, for example, the act of running that actually deters us away from a particular inlet. It's the supporting cast or the things that we really need to be a supporting cast that aren't there. But beyond what I would consider those basic deterrents, there's actually some deeper deterrents that we really have to talk about. Because I think that these are the ones that really ultimately don't allow us to pursue something much deeper, something that allows our spiritual selves, our whole selves to emerge in such a more positive way. The first I would argue is that it's the value we place on activities and interests that become inlets that is so important. If you consider, for example, think of the things you place of great value in your life. Maybe it's related to work or family, or maybe it's related to what you use technology-wise, or maybe it's related to a lot of different things. We all place value on a lot of different activities, but the question is, do we place value on that which kind of renews us, right? And I, I think that many times it's understandably difficult that we don't because lots of other things seem to demand value. But what I've found, I think others who really understand this area have found too, is that if we don't place value on finding ways to renew ourselves and on finding ways to really make sure we grow and reflect on who we are and who we're becoming to be, it's very unlikely we'll ever develop inlets in our life, right? I mean, you have to place value on something that's important and you have to continue to even look at that in a renewal way. Otherwise, whatever it is, is probably going to fall away. I mean, how many of us have started new habits over the course of our life? And initially we thought, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun or something I really want to do, but we really lack the deeper value to sustain that. And in a sense, what I mean by value is that there is great meaning in what we're doing. So we have to ask this question, you know, and I'm, I'm going to pose this. I know this is not an easy one, but the first is, do we put more value on a comfortable lifestyle than time spent doing things that provide for reflection or renewal? You know, the statistic out there is that on average, and this now kind of factors into internet and TV. But the average American watches five hours of TV or internet a day. Whatever we want to say, in some ways, there is a value that we place on that. Otherwise, we wouldn't spend so much time doing it. And for many reasons, we understand it. It provides immediate entertainment. It's something easy that we can do. But the question is, do we put more value on something that allows us to be comfortable, whatever it is, could be all sorts of activities, than doing things that allow for that reflection and renewal? The second question I think we have to ask ourselves about value is, is our health and well-being less important than our conveniences and our indulgences? Now, again, this is a tough question for us because life is expensive. As a dad of eight kids and all sorts of things going on, and I joke, geez, I can drop a $1,000 on our vehicle, like a, what seemingly is a basic repair. I know that, that you know, there's a lot of reasons why. It seems like we're demanded to make a lot of money or as much money as we can, no matter where you find yourself. But I would ask this question, do we put more value on conveniences, indulgences, or even other things that we feel like we need to purchase than our own health and well-being? I think as we grow older as adults, it's easy to find ourselves pulled in many different directions about what we have to do. And I think sometimes our health and well-being um, in regards to this idea of holiness with a WH kind of falls away. I always wondered if we were willing to live on 20% less income, and I realize not everybody can do that. I realize that some of you or many of you listening might be struggling in different ways, but I do think that we, even looking back to prior generations, many of us probably could live on 20% less income. Would it give us more of the time and space to renew ourselves and to be healthier, holier, happy people than trying to earn more money or trying to make as much as we think we need to have that comfortable life. So whatever you find yourself in kind of this discussion, just ask yourself and kind of consider what value do I place on developing habits that promote the health, harmony, happiness, that promote rejuvenation, that promote reflection and growth? Do I put as much value on those things in my life as I do other things that we are told or we believe that we must have? The second thing beyond values I have recognized, and I think many have too, is that while values often prevent us from even getting really started with an inlet, distractions often is what derails them. I mean, we arguably live in the most distracted world that's ever existed. There are so many things that can distract us. And as C.S. Lewis once said, as I paraphrase, it doesn't really matter what distracts us. I mean, it might be something as mindless and seemingly benign as even something that's horribly sinful, right? But in the end of the day, if it's a distraction, if it takes us away from God's design of who we are and who we're called to be, the net effect in many ways is often the same. Distractions are such a huge thing. And yet here again, we have a couple challenges that we have to consider in limiting or pulling ourselves away from distractions. One, I know this is maybe a difficult part of this message, is that sometimes the distractions are other people right? And I don't mean that in a mean way. I don't mean that in so much a negative way, but just more in a real way. That in order to actually cultivate an inlet in our life, we actually have to learn to kind of regulate our interactions with others. Now, I know that some of you listening might think that sounds really sterile or clinical. And you know, I apologize if that's how it sounds, but I really do kind of mean the fact that think of how many times texts come through your phone or interactions with others that you know, happen in di- different random ways. How many times does that derail you from doing something that you really need to do to make sure that as, you know, night falls, the next morning you have a sense of renewal. It's a difficult thing. Even the people that we love the most, sometimes we have to pull away. I think this is where, you know, if you look at the Bible and you think of Jesus, talk about the ultimate example in pulling away from distractions. You know, he loved these people and of course he was there to save those people and save all of us. But how many times in the Bible did he pull away In order to pray or to be in silence or in his own way to rejuvenate himself. I think it's a great model for us. I know it's not an easy thing, but I think it's a great model that even those we love the most, sometimes we need to kind of take our time alone so that we can come back even stronger. The second thing is that we have to regulate our interactions with the world, whether this is the media, whether it is so many different things that go on in the world. I mean, I think that, you know, we're kind of in this misconception today that We have to follow the news at every level and every opinion that, you know, many of us might subscribe to that. The reality is it's taken off in a very unhealthy way. Yes, we need to know what's going on, but the idea of knowing what's going on versus being consumed by the news and the media are two very different things. And I think there's so many times where in listening to everything and hearing everything that's happening, it just derails us. It derails us from The most important thing is, again, who we are and the capacity that we have. Years ago, I was on a golf course, a golf scramble, celebrating the wedding that was coming up of one of our college roommates. And uh, one of our fellow roommates, his dad, was there on the golf course. And we were having a great time. But his dad kept getting repeated calls from his ex-wife. They weren't calls that were emergency calls. They were calls about various things. But as we were sitting here trying to play golf and have a good time, his dad repeatedly kept getting it. And you could see the frustration increase. He was getting distracted. He was getting angry. He couldn't find a way to communicate and pull away. And it just led to this, sadly, really unpleasant experience in what was a really should have been a great time. And how many of us have found ourselves in those situations? How many of us have recognized that I'm getting nowhere and I'm spinning in circles and I'm not doing it for any good reason? Just think about that example to this day. It's often the case there. So finally, as we're talking about deterrence, going deeper, I think that the biggest deterrent and probably the most easy one that happens for a lot of people is just the awareness that inlets themselves are so critical. Many people, certainly many of you may be listening, never grew up in a home where truly inlets were cultivated, that truly there was a priority that said that you need to do things that allow yourself to be renewed, allow yourself not to become run down and burnt out. And I think that what happens for a lot of people is they grow up without models in that way, and they really don't ever prioritize that. They don't even have the awareness that that is an important thing to do. And so what falls by the wayside, unfortunately, is those critical ages, the health, harmony, happiness. In the end of the day, I really believe that the greatest gift that we can give others is really the gift of our authentic self and really the gift of flourishing as much as we can flourish. Again, we're all going to have challenges. We're all going to have difficulties. But when we flourish, other people flourish around us and other people find great joy. But when we're not flourishing, when we're struggling, it's difficult for not just ourselves, but for other people. And so whatever we can do to flourish, I think is such an important thing. I'll end with a story. Recently, my dad, who can barely walk at this point, who needs a second hip replacement, went with my mom and I and my brother to watch my son, Zach, play his first golf tournament. Now, dad's never been a big golfer, but over the years, he's kind of grown an appreciation for this. And it was the first tournament of the year. Zach was kind of the first big tournament he's ever played in as a sophomore in high school. And as Zach went through the 18 holes, and it was a cold day, and he was by no means ever going to win this tournament, but played really within himself. And I think, you know, played well in many ways. What I saw with my dad and I heard even afterwards was really a sense of great joy in watching someone who had dedicated himself to kind of what I hope for Zach may be an inlet in and of itself someday, give that gift of self to others. And my dad, who can barely walk right now, seeing my son, his grandson, be able to play on the course, be able to execute things I think that dad would have loved to do, gave my father great joy in a way that he could not give himself. So when you're listening out there and you feel like sometimes it may be selfish to pull away, of course, we always have to discern that. But if pulling away gives great joy to others, if it renews yourself so that you be the person you want to be, and if it allows you to flourish more, then I would say, just as Jesus did throughout the Bible, that developing inlets means we have to challenge the deterrence that we find, and we have to take on the idea that as we grow... And so others find great joy in what we're doing too. Hope you guys have a great week and so glad to just spend this time with you. It's Jim Schrader. Be holy, be holy.